Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. We're going to read from the book of Jeremiah in verse 32, starting or in chapter 32, starting in verse 36. If you want to turn your Bibles there, um, I'll give you a second. Students, if you want to scroll your phones there, I'll give you a second. <laughs> All right, let's read. Um, Jeremiah 32, verse 36. Now I want to say more about this city. You have been saying it will fall to the king of Babylon through war, famine, and disease. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will certainly bring my people back again from the countries where I will scatter them in my fury. I will bring them back to this very city and let them live in peace and safety. They will be my people and I will be their God and I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me and they will never leave me and I will find joy doing good for them and will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. This is what the Lord says, just as I have brought all these calamities on them, so I will do all the good I have promised them. Fields will again be bought and sold in this land about which now you say, it has been ravaged by the Babylonians, a desolate land where people and animals have all disappeared. Yes, fields will once again be bought and sold, deeds signed, and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin and here in Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah and in the hill country, in the foothills of Judah and in the Negev too. For someday I will restore prosperity to them and I, the Lord, have spoken. Let's pray. Jesus, we fully understand that apart from you, we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to put your goodness on display for all to see. I declare in Jesus' name that hearts of stone will be traded for hearts of flesh. I declare in Jesus' name that lies about people that have believed about who you are will be broken off. Agreements would be canceled in Jesus' name. And that your goodness would be released to every mind and to every heart in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab your seats. Thank you so much. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Spencer. I normally have a guitar and I'm standing right there. Um, my beautiful wife, Ashley, and uh, we have a little baby boy. His name's Silas. He is almost a year old, which is so sad, but awesome at the same time. Um, I grew up in the church. My parents are actually here today and my, and my grandmother um, and my sister. Shout out, Atema. Um, and uh, I, so I grew up in the church my entire life. I'm pretty sure my mom told me I went to church before I went home from the hospital. Um, so yeah, I've pretty much been there forever. Um, and like most of you, 
maybe you have or haven't grown up in the church, we hear a lot of phrases a lot. We hear a lot of words a lot. Some people like to call it Christianese or whatever, um, about things that, that we just say in church. And there's this one phrase that I will never forget. And I want to try and say it together. And it might be really awkward. If you don't respond, I'm like just going to give Andrew the mic and just walk out. So you're going to have to help me out a little bit. So I'm going to say something. You're going to respond to me. I'm going to say something, and then you're going to respond to me. Ready? Are we ready? All right. God is good. And all the time. Come on, somebody. I was actually so nervous that that wasn't going to happen. It was like, yeah, that's good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. See, we hear these phrases over and over and over and over and over again, and they become obsolete, right? I'm sure all the students in the house can relate. You hear your parents say these, these phrases, clean your bed, do this, do that, all the time, that you don't really understand the weight of them. Um, and they just become so dull after hearing it for so long. And like Andrew was saying, um, I got asked to speak um, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to the Lord about what he wanted me to communicate, what was on his heart to say to us this morning. And no word of a lie more clearly than I've ever heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, tell them about my goodness. And I was like, okay, cool. So something really easy to communicate, super simple. Goodness of God, let's talk about it today. Um, but over the, the coming weeks, um, as I've been preparing and letting this word um, just kind of sit on my heart, God has revealed his goodness to me over and over and over and over and over again. And he's just so good. I'll give you the conclusion of my sermon today. God's good. <laughs> like he's actually really, really, really good. He's better than any of us could ever think or imagine. God's good. So good. And I believe, like I prayed, that there's certain things that some of us have believed about who God is that he wants to absolutely demolish in Jesus' name. I believe what Andrew was praying here about 10 minutes ago is completely in line with the heart of God, that he wants to break and cancel agreements that some of us have made about who he is and just put his goodness on display. And I'm so incredibly excited to see what he has in store. Um, yeah, so Jeremiah... Um, I want to give a little context quickly about where we are in Jeremiah. Basically, we're right, almost right in the middle of the book of Jeremiah. What happened is, everyone knows the famous Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, da-da-da-da-da. Um, Jeremiah was called as a prophet to the Lord to, to bring warning and caution to Israel on as they continue to sin and break their covenant with God. And basically, the first half of the book is all of um, Jeremiah's prophetic warnings and everything that was going to happen if they don't choose to set their focus back on God and what they have for him and who God is. Um, and then the second half is all the stuff that happens because they don't do that. If anyone's read the Old Testament for more than like one book, you've realized that the Israelites are very difficult sometimes. They're an amazing chosen people of God, but they just don't 
listen a lot of the time. So basically what happened is here we found ourselves again where the Israelites are practicing horrible things like child sacrifice, um, worshiping other gods, idolatry, adultery, all this crazy stuff. So that's the first half, that's the second half, and right smack dab in the middle are placed these three chapters, this small collection of hope and restoration. And God's saying, I'm going to display my goodness to you despite all of this stuff. A.W. Tozer, I'm sure we've all heard this quote before, says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What he's not saying is that God is what you believe he is. He's not what you think he is. Here's the truth. God is good. Whether you believe he's good or not, he's still good. It's his nature. It's his character. He's always been good, and he will always only ever be good. In Psalms 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. To taste and see is to experience something. You see, I found it so funny when God asked me to share about his goodness, because I'm like, how do you explain something like the goodness of God? And I've come to realize you, you, you really can't. The goodness of God is not something that can be quite as explained as it can be experienced, right? Like, for example, Andrew, you can relate. Who loves fine dining, like a good steak? A good steak, right? Steak is amazing. I don't know why I'm talking about steak at 11.50, but it's a bad idea. Um, but there's something incredible about fine dining. Taste and see. So obviously, the most important thing about fine dining is when we, you know, eat the food because it's really good. But there's something beautiful about a gorgeously plated dish, right? Am I right? My mother has a thing about all the colors on a plate. They have to, you know, coordinate. Anyways, um, <laughs> the goodness of God has to be experienced. It can't be explained. And I believe that there's a lot of people who have been in the church for a long time that know that God is good, but don't know that God is good. And I believe today that every heart in this place, I'm believing with faith that every heart will experience the goodness of God and know his goodness. So let's read, let's read this part again. Jeremiah 32, 36 through 44, we'll read. Now I want to say something more about this city. You have been saying it will fall to the king of Babylon through war, famine, and disease, but this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will certainly bring my people back again from all the countries where I will scatter them in my fury. I will bring them back to this very city and live in peace and safety. And they will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart, one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will never stop doing good for them. 
I will find joy in doing good for them and will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. You see, like I said, God shows up in the middle of this distress, in the middle of their mess, in the middle of the Israelites being completely defiant and disobedient to the call of God and says, you know what? I'm still gonna be good to you because that's who I am. Like, what is that? Why is God so good? When things aren't looking good, God is good. When it's not good, God's still good. He's just good. It's who we are. Someone should be counting how many times I say good today. Verse um, 3240, at the end of it, it says, I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never leave me. That part, I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never, never leave me. When I read that a couple of times over, it clicked. It sounds a lot like the proverb, direct your child onto the right path, and when they are older, they will never leave it. See, when I first read that, I will put a desire in their hearts, and they'll worship me, and they'll never leave. It kind of sounds like a little forceful, but I don't believe that's what God's saying at all. He's, he's not saying, I'm going to force you or force them to worship me. He says, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you my goodness. And there's no other result or conclusion that you could possibly get to but to understand my goodness and surrender your life to me. Because he's just that good. He says, I'm a good father. And yes, at times, a good father has to discipline. But here's, here's one thing that the Holy Spirit pointed out to me this week is that a good father disciplines, but a good father doesn't punish. Yes, at times a good father needs to discipline, all good fathers do, but they don't punish their children for the wrong, thing, wrong things they do. Can I get a raise of hands, all the dads in the house? All the dads, I'm a dad, it's awesome. Being a dad rocks. Um, have you ever noticed when you discipline your child, how like, clingy they are and how close they want to be to you and how they're always around you and just love you. Like, for example, um, even, in, even with Silas, I've noticed where I'm like, don't do that. And he's like, daddy. He can't say daddy. I mean, kind of, but you know what I mean? But on the opposite hand, when you assert anger or some sort of dominion over your children and, and punish them, it disconnects them from you, right? It draws them away from you. And I believe that's a lie that some of us have believed that when something's going on or if there's a situation even happening right now that we've believed that you've done something wrong and God would punish you for it. It's not who he is. It's not his character. He is a good and loving father. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to expose that lie and break off the belief that when it's not good, that he's not good. But even when it's not good, fill in the blank, he is still good. It's who he is. I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to that. If that's you, I'm gonna let that, that germinate um, in your heart. Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness 
and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Something I need us to believe today, that the goodness of God will never stop pursuing you, ever. So many times of maybe talking to students or people who believed that they're too far gone. And I know we've all heard this before, you're never too far gone. You're never out of reach of the hand of God. He does not have a short arm. I know we've heard this, but I still feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to expose that lie that someone here believes that the goodness of God has just somehow stopped chasing after you because it never, ever will. There's this, there's this prophet in, later in the Old Testament, his name's Hosea, and God uses and calls Hosea um, in a really unusual and mighty way, and he calls him to marry um, this prostitute. Her name's Gomer. And he does that, he marries her, and Gomer leaves him um, to go back to prostitution and to go back to her ways and completely defile their marriage. And God uses Hosea as this incredible symbol, again, to demonstrate his love and his faithfulness to Israel. He says, go back, get your wife, and show her unfailing love. Because you will be assigned to the nations that I love my people, and I will never stop pursuing them. See, God... His goodness doesn't stop when stuff goes wrong. His goodness doesn't stop when you go wrong, but his goodness never fails. His goodness will always pursue you. He says, my goodness is the final word. This verse in the end of Hosea chapter three, it says, in the last days they will tremble in awe of the Lord and his goodness. And I feel also that God wants to put a mighty, like I said, a mighty display of his goodness this morning. I believe there's someone here today that has never tasted the goodness of God, never experienced the goodness of God for themselves. For those who have been in the church for maybe this is your first time or those who have been in their church for 40 plus years, I believe there's people who have never truly experience the goodness of God. In 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3, it says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that, it, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If, if you have tasted his goodness, if you have tasted who he is, know who he is, only then, when we have a right understanding and a right understanding about who God is and his goodness, then can we grow. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Um, we can only grow and mature if we know the goodness of God and if we experience the goodness of God. Because he's just so good. Um, a lot of you may know this as we uh, had our baby dedication. Alex talked a little bit about it when, um, 
when our son Silas was born, he had actually a pretty, a pretty rough birth, um, and he went through a lot. He had what you a bunch of stuff, but what you call um, meconium aspiration. He had a bunch of pneumothorax, and uh, it was really hard. It was a really hard time for our family. Probably the most difficult thing that Ashley and I have ever walked through in our lives, and um, we fasted and we prayed and we invested so much into that moment of Silas being born. And then all this happened and it felt like the weight of the world was coming and crashing down on the situation. And I remember not 24 hours after Silas was born, um, we found out that he was being transferred from St. Catherine's to McMaster Hospital because it really wasn't looking good. It really wasn't looking good. And in that moment, I felt my heart cave, break in half, like nothing I've ever experienced before. My helpless baby in a helpless situation could very well have lost his life. Thank God, praise God, he's here today. But I remember the moment that we were in his nursery room and we found out that all this was going on and he was gonna have to be transferred. We walked back to our hospital room um, together holding it in, trying to be strong. And we walk into our room and I just break because it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. And I remember so clearly being at our bedside on the floor, crying out to God. My flesh had nothing left. I was, I was gone. There was nothing left. And deep, deep inside of me in my spirit, I can't even explain it to you in that moment. I don't know what happened. I just said, God, you're good. God, you're better than this. God, you're good. And that moment forever changed my life. Not to say that I know anything. I'm very young and I have so much to learn, but in that moment, when all was not good, something inside of me knew that God was still good. And I believe today that there's some of you are on that last breath, that last string where it's either God's good or he's not. And you have a decision to make whether you're gonna believe he's good, even when it's not. Why don't you stand? I'm just going to call out those things again that, um, that I feel the Holy Spirit's releasing. I feel so strongly that there's someone in this place that have believed the lie that God has punished you for something that has gone wrong, and he's not done that. He is a good 
good father. He does not do that. Number two, I believe that there's people in this place that have been in church their entire life and have never truly experienced the goodness of God. And I believe he wants to absolutely overwhelm you and absolutely ruin you with his goodness. And I believe, lastly, that there's someone in this place, maybe more, that don't actually believe that God is good. And like I was saying, you're on that breaking point, you're on that tipping point, whether God's good or he's not. Please listen. I would be nowhere without the goodness of God. None of us would be anywhere without God's goodness. And if he's not good, then all of this means nothing. But lives are being transformed and lives are being changed and people are coming to know Jesus and being saved, healed and delivered because he is good. He's good. So we're gonna sing, we're gonna declare the goodness of God. And I believe for those people that it's time for you to respond. See, the word taste, when translated, is defined as perceive. The definition of perceive means to become aware or conscience, conscious of something. I believe that God is calling those people and those who want to experience the goodness of God like never before to praise him because he is good, whether you believe it or not. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.